0: By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help.
1: Hello, and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, So we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, Except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, So we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group and so every episode I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy.
0: Let's go to the movies. It's something to do.
1: Okay. El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, um, which is technically the subtitle of this movie, but you can just call it El Camino. I think that's a better title. Um, But it is important, I guess, in the marketing to call it a Breaking Bad movie because so many people didn't know. Um, I remember back when Breaking Bad was finishing... No one would shut up. Like, it was the biggest deal in the whole world. Everyone was going on and on and on and on. They kept telling me to watch Breaking Bad, even though I'd been watching Breaking Bad since season one, which was long before they were watching Breaking Bad. Um, But they just, it was, like, obsessive. Everyone was talking about it. And then I feel like this movie came out um, in 2019, and everybody completely ignored it. And I wondered whether that was just, they honestly didn't know it was a Breaking Bad film, and they kind of lost interest in Aaron Paul and wouldn't just follow him to another movie if it wasn't a Breaking Bad movie. Um, Because I, you know, I think if you watched all of Breaking Bad and you really, really loved it, I think Aaron Paul, more than maybe anybody else, but Aaron Paul specifically should have earned your loyalty and you know, you should trust him. And if he has an interesting project coming up, you should watch it. Um, and then what, what a delight it would have been for you to discover, Oh, I'm watching this Aaron Paul project just because of Aaron Paul, he has earned my loyalty. And then ta-da, it's written by Vince Gilligan. It's literally in the Breaking Bad universe. There's tons of Breaking Bad guest stars, including the heavy hitters, you know, it's a full-on Breaking Bad fan experience. Um I would say it's more of a Breaking Bad fan experience than a movie, than a proper movie with a beginning, a middle, and the end and a purpose unto itself. Um I also think there was some lovely poetry in the unknowability of Jesse's ending as we got it in Breaking Bad. Um You could see it however positively or optimistically or pessimistically as you wanted, whereas this decides for you what that ending is going to ultimately be. Um, Which I think is a little bit of hand-holding, which I actually think Breaking Bad was more guilty of than people give it credit for being or discredit for being um, or for doing. But, you know, it's an interesting movie. Breaking Bad obviously was a a fascinating universe to live in for a while. And Jesse Pinkman is an all-time character, so it's great to return to him again um like i said with the natural the ages are kind of funny because breaking bad all happens in like a very very short period of time even though the series took 6 or 7 years to actually play out i think it's all within a year and a half of the actual characters lives and then obviously it's been some time since the finale and so aaron paul full on straight up adult at this point is playing like a eight, 18 year old or something which is always weird for me um but and they flash back occasionally or show you um, things that happened in early Breaking Bad. And you're like, Oh yeah, remember Jesse. And like, remember what he used to look like and used to like, he had such an innocence to him that I do think um, isn't really as present in the performance anymore. Um, But it's, it's an interesting thing to revisit. I hadn't been back to Breaking Bad since it ended. Um, Even I don't watch Better Call Saul. So it was, it was nice to return, I guess. Um, I love the supporting characters, uh, Skinny Pete and um, Badger. It was nice to see them. Those were probably that was probably my highlight. I, I really liked those guys, and it was nice to see them back. And they have a really lovely moment. Um, especially Skinny Pete has a, a really great moment that I think is maybe the highlight of the film. Um, also need to mention that uh, Jesse Plemons is in this movie. Lots of great people are in it. Um, I don't want to spoil who you'll see necessarily, but um, Jesse Plemons has a major role and. He, after Breaking Bad, really went on to do really great things. And before Breaking Bad was in Friday Night Lights, which is also a great thing. If you haven't watched that, how dare you? Um, Yeah, that's all I really have to say. I don't have a lot to say about El Camino, as you'll find in the, the conversation. But it's nice. It's fun. If you like Breaking Bad, you'll like it. And honestly, if you loved Breaking Bad and you haven't seen El Camino yet, shame on you. Because, come on, Vince Gilligan and Aaron Paul gave you that series that you love. And you should show up for their next thing. Um, so yeah, go check it out. It's fun. It's all right. <laughs> Enjoy. So off off mic, you were asking whether you think that this movie, um, you have to have seen Breaking Bad. Yes. And which is funny because my major mistake, I, so I just watched it this afternoon, and the major mistake I made was that I didn't rewatch, or perhaps more importantly, like, read a synopsis of the final episode um before to prep for the movie because while I've seen all of Breaking Bad, I've seen all of Breaking Bad exactly once when yeah. it was airing and then never again. Um and it unlike everyone else in the world, it did not matter very much to me. I liked I liked <laughs> Jesse a lot, um, which is why I was willing to watch this movie. Um, because he was sort of what dragged me through Breaking Bad was caring about Jesse. Um But uh, I didn't remember, like, it just didn't lodge in my brain in any sort of, like, I remember the final image of Walt, obviously. um, And I remember the final scream. I don't really remember anything else. Um, So the details of, like, I didn't know where we were in time. I didn't, I remembered it was a final scream, but I didn't, like, recognize it when we saw it again. And so I didn't register that it was right away. So I thought we were further along in time and I didn't understand where the flashbacks were. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like i had to look up like i didn't remember vacuum guy i was like he he vibes like an original character let's go, like from the show let's go back and find out why we know him mm-hmm. so obviously i recognized jesse plinkman uh jesse Plemons, and um jesse pinkman jesse pinkman and jesse Plemons. um and obviously i remembered like i love skating. jesse
0: Plemons is in this
1: jesse Plemons plays um I don't remember his name, but he's the, like, white supremacist guy who kidnapped Oh, right. Yeah. Are you thinking of a- Jesse Clemens as not being Jesse Plemons?
0: Um, just now when I think of Jesse Clemens, I think of Black Mirror and Disney's Jungle Cruise that got delayed by a year. So it's just one of those cases where, like, now that he's more etched in my brain as a performer that I can identify, when I find out he's in other things that I've seen, it's, like, one of those cool moments of, oh, he was in that. That's yeah. how he built his career. This makes
1: sense. Well, yeah. I mean, Friday Night Lights was how he built his career, but this was like his second big like, oh no, he's the real deal. And like mm-hmm. most of the people from Friday Night Lights up than Michael B. Jordan. So like you can hire him again. Um yeah, he was, and I remember hearing about this movie, because I think I saw him on, like, late night with Seth Meyers or something, and I remember him, like, being like, yeah, I'm in the movie, but, like, spoiler alert, because I definitely died in the finale of Breaking Bad, so I don't want to tell you, any like, how I'm in this movie, and then I was really confused for years, because I didn't, you know, it came out last year, and I didn't see it at the time, and I was like, how is Jesse Plemons in this movie? Um, but obviously, the very simple answer is flashbacks. Yeah. Um Which I found then confusing, too, because, like, um, Aaron Paul has aged significantly in the 12 years since the Breaking Bad pilot. And so they were doing, like, faux flashbacks where it was, like, a scene that took place in the past but was not a scene from the show. So he had to film it new, 12 years older. He just looks very different. Yeah, even
0: during the show, I remember thinking that it was really kind of a stretch for him to be, like, fresh out of high school.
1: In the pilot, I was totally fine with it, but the show, the show takes place in one year of time, but like seven years of real time Hmm. over which Aaron Paul grew up (laughs) Um, and that was confusing.
0: Yeah, I basically, I, again, I did not rewatch the movie for this. So it kind of exists in my memory in the same place that Breaking Bad exists in yours as context before watching this movie and Breaking Bad did as well before I rewatched this. I, I, I didn't love it. I didn't dislike it. I was just very like meh about it. And it felt to me like it, it didn't add anything to the legacy of Breaking Bad.
1: Okay. But like in your opinion, what, Like, what was the element of Breaking Bad that you found the most compelling?
0: Probably the acting and the overall, like, competence with how well it was made. The story, like, didn't speak to me super strongly as well as, like, I'm not as passionate about it as most people seem to be. But I can recognize that it's a really well-made show. And I think I just really loved basically the whole cast. I was going to say Brian Cranston, but I loved everyone. I thought everyone suited their characters really well. And I just like, I watched it for the characters, but I think this film, it lost a lot of the charm for me because the only one that was there was Aaron Paul and like I, Jesse. Yeah. And I love Jesse, but it's like, it's like most things when something is successful and then you try to kind of ride the coattails of the success of one character, it loses the magic of what made it so good to start with. And for me, that was like the ensemble cast. And so when the bulk of the characters that I liked were not there anymore, like Walt's family, pretty much Walt's family. Like, I love them so much. And a lot of the other characters that I like died early on in Breaking Bad anyway is like major plot points. So yeah, just Jesse on his own was just like almost too bleak for me to enjoy i I liked when walt came back in the flashback that was nice
1: yeah see i mean i wouldn't say i loved this movie i think i would say i liked it more than i expected to but i wasn't expecting to like it really at all so that's you know (laughs) i don't know take that with grain of salt but for me i actually think it worked a lot better for me than for you because again like Jesse was Breaking Bad for me like I didn't oh, I didn't care about anybody at all Really, really at, at all no I didn't like anybody I felt like it was one of those and this was really happening at that time like 2007 to 11 mm-hmm. kind of like right around like the the height of Breaking Bad which corresponded with the height of Mad Men which corresponded with the start of House of Cards like it was all like anti-heroes everybody was like I found everybody really hard to root for in most of television drama at the time. Um, And while, like, inevitably, if I stick with a show, I will come to see something I like in a lot of, you know, like, Mike is fine, and there's, you know, I I liked Hank okay, and I liked Marie okay, and I, we know, like, some of the... But I didn't really like any of them. Like, I could very easily have lived without them, but I was really attached to Jesse and then I really, li- I did also really like, um, skinny Pete and Badger. And that was probably my favorite part of this movie was the scene with them. Um, because, uh, with Pete, especially, um, like Jesse that set- look, he like really helps Jesse out when Jesse is sort of feeling like there is no one in the world who would help him out. And he's just doomed because of that, um, and so and, – and Pete helps him, and he says – he looks at him, and he's like, I don't even know how to, like, how to possibly thank you. Um, and Pete just kind of looks at him, and he's like, of, of course – like, you're my hero. Like, there's just, like – it was just kind of lovely and sentimental in a way that I feel like, drama, like, gritty television dramas never get to be anymore. Okay. Um, and I just found that very compa- – I just always really liked those characters, too. Um, they always had – like, the the – Weirdly, um, Breaking Bad. You can trace who I cared about um, pretty evenly. Like the the addict characters, I found fairly compelling, and the um, like sellers and makers of the product, I found less compelling because the the addicts were they tended to have a bit more heart, and they were more I don't know driven by things other than greed. Um, that I found, like they weren't purposely trying to hurt anybody. They were without, outside of their own control, hurting themselves. Um, and, and by byproduct product hurting other people, but like, it wasn't. Whereas a lot of the other characters were just like hurting other people to acquire money and it bothered. And I was just like, Oh, I don't care about you. Um, oh, so
0: you didn't like Gus?
1: No. See, that was, I think that's like the central issue with like me and people who love Breaking Bad, all mm-hmm. of whom started watching Breaking Bad after I did, by the way. But like, <laughs> they all tuned in in season three. And we're like, Oh, this new show. And I'm like, please. But like, the, this is not interesting to me in any way. I mean, the actor is good. So if you if you really do, like, if you really appreciate just the skill like the technical elements of breaking bad by all means right like it's it's amazingly shot and it's you know nice it's it's well written in that it's like the dialogue is all really good but i wouldn't say it's well written in that the characters make any sense as humans um which i think is what good writing is but that, like, but it is technically, really, like, the color and the sound and the acting and, like, it's all very well executed in a way that at the time was um, really special for television. And that that um, comes through in the movie as well. Like, some of those, um, I'm in the middle of Darren Franich's review right now um, because he it's so wordy that I only got halfway through before having to record. Um, but he said something about, there's this like really wide shot when they're out in the desert burying the body, there's this wide, wide shot of the big empty desert. And he said, and it, it the way he described it is it dares you to wonder how many poor souls are buried out there. And I was like, ah, see, that's usually I feel like the sort of beautiful cinematography element of breaking bad is quite divorced from the actual storytelling and themes of breaking bad. Um, and that always annoys me. And so that tying that in, I was like, okay, that's kind of an interesting way of putting it. And I find that more compelling than just like, Ooh, all the Mexico scenes are yellow coated somehow. (laughs) Like, who cares? I don't know. Um, but I liked it more than I expected to. Uh, which is not saying a lot, but I was. It was nice to sort of revisit Jesse and see some of the supporting characters I liked again. I'm glad we came back to Jane in the end because the Jane era was the part when I was most interested in Breaking Bad. But um, I'm talking a lot. You talk
0: more. <laughs> no, it's good because again, I didn't re I didn't rewatch this, so it's not super fresh to my brain. But just reflecting on everything that you just kind of said, and then reflecting on my like not too committed relationship to Breaking Bad having just seen it once straight through and then this movie I feel like another reason that this didn't have the same spark or enjoyment for me is that one of the things that I liked and appreciated with Breaking Bad that I think a like lots of people I've spoken to have pointed this out that they loved how Tracked Walt's arc from season no, one. he was a bad guy five. from the pilot. Oh, he was always a bad guy. He was a bad like guy. He was, to, he was able to come into it and like embrace it.
1: Ooh, what fun! How
0: you Im- don't think so? How beautiful!
1: How beautiful of a journey from bad guy to effective bad guy.
0: Yeah, well, you got to see his transformation and him actually embrace all of like those awful parts of himself. I suppose, like, like it's like I rewatched, not rewatched, what I started watching the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone recently and the episode Not All Men, I think kind of, did you, or have you seen it? Are you familiar? I've
1: seen his Twilight Zone. I have not seen that particular episode of that.
0: Okay. So, I mean, it's actually not really a great episode whatsoever, which I, well, actually, I don't know how I feel about new Twilight Zone in general. It's, It's the closest we've come to a Twilight Zone that can like successfully succeed Rod Serling's Twilight Zone, but it's, still very hit and miss anyway not all men the well spoilers but not really because it's not that great it's like a um, asteroid shows up on earth that affects only the men on earth and when they come into contact with them with it be, they like become ultra violent
1: oh no i have seen this
0: yeah yeah and then at the end like one of the like morally better <laughs> guys who is in the story like he starts to become affected by it but then he Isn't and then they say why and he says something like oh because I just chose not to be like I didn't want to let that part of myself go and then the whole message is about how like when people are given permission, then they feel more okay with acting on like all of their less desirable violent impulses, and I think Breaking Bad was kind of a interesting examination of that of like given the opportunity and circumstance and the kind of almost freedom of knowing that he was going to die regardless. You got to see what he was willing to do without like the threat of having to face the music, which I found really interesting. Like I always find it interesting seeing what characters or what people will do when they kind of have free reign to do whatever. So, like, right,
1: right. Like yeah. if 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 it wasn't illegal, would you do this? that like
0: yeah. Like this? I would probably like the purge if I knew it wouldn't terrify me because I can't watch violence.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it's it's interesting in theory, um, but I just. In practice, I, and maybe this is naive of me, but I, I tend to believe that human beings are trying to do good and be good as much as possible. Now, they get into trouble when their definition or their understanding of what is right is not, cor- like, correct. <laughs> like, that, you know, some people are, you know, uh, messed in the head and have ideas like just what they think is the right thing to do is not the right thing to do, but I think that most people are trying to do the right thing to do, um, and I think that Breaking Bad, at least at first, was really trying to, to trying to say something about that idea—the idea of like doing the wrong thing for the right reason, like all this stuff about his family and leaving the money for them, and like sort of the justification stuff. Um, And like, you know, he thought he was doing what he had to do in order to do the right thing, even if it meant doing the wrong thing. Um, And that's kind of interesting. But then Breaking Bad sort of ultimately was like, nah, it was never about that. That's not, come on. Um, I also think one of the things about that, that show gets a lot of credit for being like a long con, but I actually don't think it was a long con. I think if you read interviews with Gilligan, it was like a lot of making things up and real, like he was very good at. Realizing what threads were still out there and remembering to pick them up and put them somewhere, okay. <laughs> but it wasn't that he always knew where that thread was going. Um, but I don't know. I, I I don't think it's an interesting idea. But I don't think that like ultimately, if we had purge rules, I think most people would stay inside. You know, what I mean, like I like it's interesting to see who
0: wouldn't. You know, but look at what? look at how many people like aren't staying inside now and aren't wearing masks. That's true, that is true.
1: But I think those people have it justified in their heads, right? Like they think, like Mm -hmm. I think, if we had the purge, we would see a lot of like revenge killing or a lot of like like cancel culture would get really dangerous really quickly. That kind of thing where people are doing things out of self righteousness, um, and they'll have it justified to themselves. But I don't think they would do something that they fully, completely understand is the wrong thing to do, Mm -hmm. and do it anyway. For fun right. or because it's fulfilling or whatever. I think that's a very, very small group of people that would actually do that. I do think people would do the wrong thing for the, what they think of as the right reason because mm-hmm. um, they think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I think that, like, even with the masks and stuff, like, those are like in their heads, they think they're not super, they don't think it's real when we say you're putting okay, everyone's true. lives in danger, you're putting your life in danger. They just, they, it's not penetrating their skulls, that fact. And so they're making decisions based on like a different, I don't know. I just think people are better than Breaking Bad thinks they are. And that makes me sad. The one, the one exception being, I think Breaking Bad always believed in its heart that Jesse was good or at least trying to be good, even if he was doing bad. And I think that that is why I, latched on to him and he pulled me through the series and I'm glad he did. There were other rewards, um, but without him, I wouldn't have made it.
0: Okay. Fair. Yeah. I think, And I, to me, the Breaking Bad, everything just, uh, it would kind of be the same if we just had Walt without Jesse. Like I feel like for better or worse, I thought they balanced each other really nicely. Like Jesse provided some kind of ground. Sanity throughout the series that was necessary to balance Walt, but just with this movie, I felt like when you got rid of Walt and that more kind of active conflict or threat, it just left it being a little bit duller than I would have liked from what I was expecting from the Breaking Bad movie. Uh, Yeah, what else was I going to say? Oh, I, I guess just to backtrack a lot one thing that I that I did like and I appreciated was like after five seasons of Walt saying uh, everything he did was for the family. When he finally admitted that it was for himself. That was one thing that I thought was very refreshing because I was just so tired of hearing him say, I'm doing it for the family. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Because he had well, he had long pat. First of all, there are things you can do for your family without turning to dealing to making drugs. Um, yeah there's just, there just are. Uh, and there's also like, there, they had so far past the point where that felt like at all reasonable. Like he, had, you know, if he was really doing it for his family he would have stopped 20,000 steps before he stopped. Yeah, um, And also we wouldn't have done it in the first place because he endangered them and blah, 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 blah. But uh, yeah, it always kind of felt like a lie, but I, I've always, my cynical brain has always wondered if I don't think the writers knew that it was always, he was doing it for himself until they had him say, I was doing it for myself. Um, I think they realized it partway through that it no longer made sense and they kind of had to, I don't know, make a change. Um, which is fine. Maybe they, they realized it at the same time as Walt did, you know? So mm-hmm. um but this movie, what happened in this movie? Let's see, there was lots of torture.
0: Yeah. And
1: there was like there were some like doofy guys who weren't very good at robbing people. Um not a lot happened in this movie. That's one of no. my things, like it's not a standalone. Like, I really don't think you could really watch this movie having not seen Breaking Bad because the story, the self-contained beginning, middle, and end of this story is not enough to stand on its own feet. You have to be someone who has that little visceral thrill when you see Walt and being like, oh, Walt, you know, and like, you're enjoying putting together where it is in the timeline and, oh, this must happen in the, in the part of, in between this episode and this episode or whatever, right?
0: So basically this whole movie is kind of just fan service. Yeah. It's anything.
1: a reunion special.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, yeah. I don't know how I feel about movies that are either like just purely fan service or need the context of a greater breadth of something to be fully enjoyed and understood. Like that's the, issue that a lot of people who have issues with Marvel have with those movies, even though for the most part except for Infinity War and Endgame, you can pretty well enjoy any Marvel movie by its own merits without context from start to finish except for maybe like one of the sequels, like a Thor sequel or Captain America sequel I think like
1: something like a Civil War
0: you'd be pretty... Civil War yeah. Civil War, you need context Yeah, but like generally, I think the strength of those movies is that they can exist on their own for the most part, without the broader context. And I think that's even something that the guy who directed... No, not Wolverine. Logan said was that he was, like, against movies that were, like, part of a franchise that couldn't be enjoyed on their own merits because he compared it to, like, those manipulative toys in the 80s and 90s where you could only enjoy the full set if you bought the individual pieces. And that has kind of always stuck with me for assessing how I feel about things that are part of something bigger. And I think that's a reason that this movie also didn't fully speak to me. Cause yeah, you can't really enjoy it unless you know, Breaking Bad and it's like movies that are based on books that you need to have read the book to understand and appreciate the movie. Like those, like to me that just means it failed as an adaptation, like hashtag Artemis Fowl or Mm -hmm. Harry Potter movie one.
1: Yeah. Oh, Harry Potter. I think I've, I don't, I know some people who've only seen the movies, but I think they didn't think about them. Like they th- sort of took them as like good, good fun and didn't think about them a lot because I can't imagine that watching them without having, I there's so much missing information um, that you would be confused. I don't think you can do it. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that means that's like bad filmmaking and I wouldn't necessarily call this, I think this is like a good a good example of the separation between assessment of something as a good film um, and something that is well made for what it was trying to be, but what it was trying to be was not necessarily a full standalone. Maybe it was trying to be that, but it, that definitely didn't accomplish that. No, I, I think um,
0: reunion special is probably the best way to contextualize yeah. what this actually is, whether that was intentional. Or
1: not yeah i also think um it felt like a like a wrap-up movie you know like community always used to joke like six seasons in a movie, a
0: movie
1: yeah um where like it was always intended to be like this wraps up the story um i do wonder though because the end of breaking bad didn't have much jesse in it like it didn't really serve jesse and i wonder if this was a little bit of a like realizing in retrospect how much the series owed to Jesse and that maybe that he deserved more of an ending, but I liked his non-ending. I liked the idea of him sort of going off into the worlds and we can just, our brains can take it from there. And if we're, it's like a Rorschach test, right? Like if we're cynical people, we're like, Oh, he gets caught tomorrow. And if we're not, we're like, he drives straight to Alaska and is happy forever and he's fine and he makes it out. Um, And not knowing that answer, I think is more satisfying than the idea of, um, and then this is what happens over the next two days and skinny Pete saves him. And now he makes it, he definitely does make it to Alaska. Like uh, that's kind of not as, I would, I would rather this, something you said before we got on on Mike was the idea of like letting things die. And though I enjoyed this movie and it was fun to revisit Jesse and all those people, like, and I love television, and I don't. We never get to talk about television on here, so this was basically television. So I kind of just am enjoying that factor. Um, the I do, I do really believe that things should be allowed to die. Um, they they live their life and then they're over. And I think that leaving Jesse as he was would have served him better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I prefer like I like things that end with that sort of ambiguous, open ending way where you don't necessarily know what's going to happen but there's so much beauty in that as opposed to just being told straight out like this is how it ends like the last shot of wonderfalls i think is so beautiful where it's just her in the store smiling and the story in no way like reached its full potential but it still ended in a spot where i felt like i had enough closure and even like i Like, I love Wonderfalls. So I watched the whole, like, series on DVD with the commentary, and when they talk about what they wanted to do for season two, it's so ridiculous that I'm happy it didn't actually come to fruition because it would have ruined season one for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, like, there's a point when you can only tell so much story before whatever it was that was engaging just, like, dies. Yeah. Like, I think that's why... Dan Levy even said that's why he opted to end Schitt's Creek when he did, because he was like at that point. And the one thing that I liked or that I found intriguing and really enjoyed with Breaking Bad was when, I don't remember specifics, but I remember the season finale of season four, thinking to myself, this feels like this could be the series finale and I would be content with that. But then when I saw season five, it was so brilliant because it just showed me like exactly why season four couldn't be the ending it was like the act two of into the woods basically where you think you've reached the happily ever after but then everything that got you to that happily ever after catches up with you and then you actually have to like face the repercussions and again i don't remember specifics but i remember clocking for myself that that was one thing i really loved and appreciated about the series was that it kind of subverted that expectation for me just in a really cool way that could only be achieved through TV Mm -hmm. and through like that episodic story structure.
1: Yeah. Well, although I will say like one of my criticisms of the ending of Breaking Bad, which I don't think is a very good finale, which is a very controversial take, um, is that I don't like a finale that has a, puts a perfect bow on everything. And, um, Breaking Bad very meticulously wrapped up every loose thread and everything, like, everyone you needed to die died. And everybody, like, it would just, everything wrapped up really, satisf- it was a very satisfying ending. And so the day after the end, after the finale, everyone was just so happy. Um, but I think in the long run, that's not as interesting of storytelling as, say, we've had this conversation before, I'm not going to spoil it for you with the ending of the Sopranos does not solve anything for you. And so, and it's horrible and everybody hated it because they were just like so unhappy because nothing, they didn't feel any closure at all. But I think like artistically speaking, especially with television, which is all about like long form storytelling and the idea of like, you might not know if you're going to get renewed. So you just have to like keep telling stories sequentially the way life unfolds. It's not like this is our story and this is how long it takes to tell it. It is like, this is a, this is our world and people are just living and continuously in it. And the one element of that finale that was left totally like, and then he goes out into the world and, you know, we don't really know was Jesse. And then they, and then basically they just added this little coda, um, that gave him a perfect little bow ending like everybody else. Um, they weren't all happy endings, but they were, like, wrapped up endings. And so I was kind of like, oh, it was satisfying, but it wasn't what I needed. It might have been what I wanted, but it wasn't what I needed kind of thing. That's <laughs> how I feel sure. about the ending – the endings of Breaking Bad, including this one now wrapping up the one thing that I liked about the original finale. Um, yeah, very good show. Not really my thing, but the – and this was, like – it was nice to revisit, but – yeah. whatever. Aaron that Aaron Paul guy, I do like him. I'd like him to work more.
0: Me too. He did He's Bojack,
1: but then that was kind of all we've really seen him in in the long in the last little while. So.
0: Yeah, I read an article explaining why his career didn't take off cuz he like apparently selected the wrong projects or something. It was very sad.
1: Oh. Yeah, he did he did like a couple little movies or or like one big movie that didn't do well or something like that right That's after. That's what it was. Dad. Yeah. And then it was just nothing but, like, the man has three Emmys. Let's maybe give him a second shot. And also stop trying to make him a blockbuster guy. Just put him in a bunch of great indies. Make him Sam Rockwell.
0: Yeah. oh, Sam Rockwell.
1: Right? Sam Rockwell has, like, one of the greatest Hollywood careers of all time because he was that sort of, like, nice mid-level to low-level famous for so long where, like, people who knew him knew him because they really admired his performance in their favorite movie of all time. But, like, he wasn't a massive celebrity, which is, like, exactly the right level of, like, I'm an actor, not a celebrity, kind Mm -hmm. of, you know? Then he won an Oscar, so now it's different, but... Um, he should just be Sam Rockwell. That'd be nice. Um, but if you ever want a, a fun thrill, Google Aaron Paul's house. He has like oh, a I think farm I this, somewhere. Yeah. It is the most beautiful thing I've I've ever seen. I'm so jealous. I wanna go live there and adopt like seven dogs.
0: <laughs> oh, Aaron living out the dream
1: the he's living the dream he's just out in the country with his wife and his lovely lovely home with like a giant stone fireplace
0: it's just, it's <laughs> like citizen like, kane it's
1: the life maybe not that giant that was out that was outlandishly giant
0: um yeah you could yeah. walk and do it
1: i it th- wasn't somebody sleeping in it at one point
0: oh uh, his wife probably was yeah susan yeah she was probably secretly hoping she'd roll into the flames. Dark. I know. Well, she had such a sad life, that Susan Alexander. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I prefer that movie to this movie or not.
1: Hmm. Oh well, you're definitely supposed to. So. <laughs> I know I'm not
0: supposed to. Especially <laughs> the fact
1: that you didn't like this movie very much, I think, is <laughs> probably a dip off. I know,
0: but I don't really love Citizen Kane either. I just think it's funny because of its renown.
1: Yeah, well, and you know that one doesn't have Skinny Pete, and
0: (laughs) (laughs) or Jesse Plemons of the Jungle Cruise.
1: Yeah, all movies could use a little bit more Skinny Pete. Exactly. And Badger.
0: (laughs) I Uh, didn't make a movie that was just like a bad
1: sitcom career, which is unfortunate. What? Oh, who? Badger. Who is he? He was in. He's in. He has a small role in Mom. Um, there's something else he's in. He's just like does bad sitcoms. Not that That's mom's a bad shame. sitcom, but he's, he's not a good part of it. So whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, this movie, anything else to say about this movie
0: other than it was okay. Like it it happened. More than Citizen
1: Kane? They can put that on the poster. This is bad. Yes. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh,
0: well, I think more people would enjoy watching this than Citizen Kane. So there's that.
1: Well, because of the cult of Breaking Bad. Like, all the cult of Breaking Bad people will be like, this is the greatest film ever made.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just, it's that. It's the cult of Breaking Bad, which I was never a part of. I could just, like, it was a show that I watched start to finish that I enjoyed the experience of watching start to finish, but, like, I'm not itching to rewatch it for just the pure joy of enjoying it again. So I guess it's a personal taste or a preference thing, but this movie was just kind of an extension of my thoughts on Breaking Bad, which is just, eh, it's there. It's not bad.
1: Yep. It it is. Breaking Bad is the, the line I always use about The Wire, but it's like really true of Breaking Bad is like, it's a good show to say it's a bad show would be crazy but it's just, it's not as good as everyone says it is because it would be impossible to be as good as everyone says it is because they go on and on and on and on. And I'm like, okay, other television exists.
0: You know, that's kind of how I felt about Six Feet Under as well, which everyone loves. And I loved Six Feet Under a lot more than I loved Breaking Bad, but also I guess it just couldn't live up to the cult hype that it had amassed by the time I actually got around to watching it. Especially again, going back to finales, that was a finale that everyone, I think still credits as being like one of the best TV finales ever. And it was, well, I think now that you've kind of articulated it, the thing that everyone loves that I'm not sure about is how neatly it literally wraps everything up in a little bow. Okay, There's not a literal bow, but it does wrap up every character's story. Mm-hmm.
1: Because as completely as you could possibly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, I really like that show. I don't really like the finale. Um, but I do really like that show. But I also feel like when I saw it, it wasn't something people were talking about as much. Like, I saw it on DVD sort of years after, but maybe before a bit of a resurgence. So I don't I know. It was probably
0: around when I saw it. I was watching it, I was in the last year at New York. It would have been like 20, 2008 through to like 2010 was probably when I was re or er, watching it. I'm like getting all the DVDs as often as I could, and that I guess it's kind of like Breaking Bad, I appreciated it for the performances, and I could appreciate the story, but it still like didn't spark joy the way that Marie Kondo wants things to spark right. joy in me.
1: Well, I actually find that often. I think that um, we have this notion of what prestige television looks like, and by definition, almost none of it sparks joy. Like, it's all really, really dreary um, and really self-serious. And we're actually, it's getting way worse. Um, The, like, separation between, um, it's funny because comedies, not, like, silly network sitcoms as much, although some of them are very good. But, like, cable comedies are very aware of the responsibility of storytellers to be, be both, like, to tackle actual honest hard things but then also find the levity um and drama people who make dramas are like this is serious and important and can be no fun and they're all like an hour and 10 minutes to get through an episode and it's just like hard it's just a slog um and i find that i don't want to watch something joyless just because it's important
0: uh why brian fuller should just do all the tv because i think he balances all of that really well i haven't seen hannibal but i'm assuming that it's also quite good
1: i don't imagine you could see hannibal if you have you can't see violence
0: but it's tv you can't be super violent on tv
1: hannibal is actually one of the most interesting um speaking of the great darren franich whose review of el camino i am halfway through um he wrote something, he once wrote something about Ham- Hannibal that I quote constantly. That's my favorite thing that's ever been said about television. Um, he was doing wow. like a, a end of the year, best episodes of television this year kind of thing. Um, and he wrote, he was writing about an episode of Hannibal, which was on NBC. And the most interesting thing about Hannibal is that it was on NBC because like n- the type of show that it was didn't exist on NBC really ever, but certainly not at the moment that this was being made. Like, it was really violent, but it was also hyper stylized and really poetic and like it was a cable drama, but it was being made for NBC. So we had to like sidestep all of the FCC stuff and be really creative and all that kind of thing. Um but it was like a weekly, it was on broadcast for free over the airwaves. It was weekly installments. I think it was 13 episode seasons, but it was still like substantial. It wasn't like six. And at the time it was like the height of Sherlock and the, and true, true detective and all these things. And everyone was doing anthology series because you could hire bigger actors and all that stuff. And Darren was like, you can take your, you know, twice annual ninety minute specials and your anthology series and your bingeables and everything about our splintered media our our splintered media landscape and screw it, Brian Fuller is making motherfucking television. <laughs> the, like idea of like classic just like tune in to NBC at nine PM mm-hmm. on a Thursday and see motherfucking television <laughs> serialized and like everything. Um, I remember that's what I think of when I think of Hannibal is motherfucking television in a, in a way that like doesn't look down on television. Or it's like, true.
0: Like, he was so Fix
1: the form and elevate it so to good. being a movie. I think one mm-hmm. of our main problems is that film is becoming more like television where everything is super serialized and television is mm-hmm. becoming too much like movies where they're like hiring movie stars and making everything self-contained stories where you have to know the ending when you write the beginning. But like, what's beautiful about television is that it's not movies, and uh, you have to celebrate the form for what it actually is, and not try to change it.
0: Yeah,
1: mother. Brian Fuller
0: television. does that.
1: <laughs> He's making motherfucking television. He is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What this movie, El Camino? What else happened? Uh, Jesse Clemens uh, is
0: great. I don't know. Yeah. No, I um, think I think it's an interesting note to almost end on the fact that you said that movies are becoming more like tv and vice versa and yet here we are reviewing a kind of air quotes movie that is neither correct. but both correct it is neither but both